Hello. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, so for those of you guys watching and joining us, um, this is a special bonus episode of Chingonas Only Club. Um, and it's a super important episode. And because of that, I asked my close friend, Sierra, say hello to, to join me um, so that we can talk to you guys about a very, very special topic. So today we're going to be talking to you guys about Juneteenth. Juneteenth, yes. The significance behind this holiday because it's still unknown to a lot of people in this country. And I think there's not enough education behind it. No, I wasn't taught it in uh, primary school either. Yeah, so no, it was something was that I learned I. as an adult. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of, a huge part of the country actually, what I've seen over the past couple of days that are very uneducated on this holiday and what it actually means or what it represents. I wanted to talk to you guys about that. And obviously I am not an expert and I wanted to make sure that what we were um, putting out to you guys was not only um, accurate, um, but it was also relatable because another topic that I wanted to discuss was our cultures, right? Um, the Black culture, the Latino culture, and kind of where we meet in the middle and, and the, all of the things that we have in common. And that's also something that I think is such a powerful thing. And it, and I feel like we need to kind of use that and talk about that more. Yeah, because that's how we became friends. Yes. We started talking about our experiences and stuff, and we were like, it's really similar. Mm -hmm. It's so similar. Yeah, and um, so yeah. So I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode, and uh, this is the part where we do the intro. Let's dive in. Wait, it was it get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. Uh, 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 we are not, we're, we're the worst together. Put it in bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess the first question that, or first topic of discussion uh, about Juneteenth is what is Juneteenth, right? I, besides the fact that everybody's right now on holiday. Yes. Uh, <laughs> three or four day weekends. Three or four day weekends. Uh, I thought that it was important for people to understand the significance behind that holiday and I'm going to be perfectly honest just like you I wasn't taught about this in school like had no idea and it wasn't until I was an adult that I heard the term mm -hmm. and you and I actually talked about it um was it like two a year ago uh, probably when they first were trying to make it a right. holiday. Right, yeah. When they were made, trying to make it a holiday, we were talking about it. And then there was a lot of festivals that we kept seeing kind of popping up, which was the first time that I really saw, like, communities celebrating in the public eye. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to kind of uh, dig in and ask questions, right? I was like, hey, can you, like tell me a little more about this. I had like the basics and the groundwork. And then I, you know, went and did some reading and just kind of educated myself because obviously you're a close friend of mine and, you know, we have sailors who this means a lot to. So it's almost like I would be doing my close friends, family and sailors a disservice by not being educated enough to understand the importance that this 
has on on their lives, on yeah. their history, on the community. That's why I want to talk about it. So first, I'll just ask you, uh, what does this holiday mean to you? Uh, me specifically, ever since I learned about it, and I'm going to say I became an adult like eight years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's still working on it. So in my eight years of adulthood, um, this holiday was significant to me because um, I think I've told you before, like my, I'm, I'm a descendant of slaves. Um, and it goes all the way back to West African bloodline. Like my bloodline is specifically from West Africa and my family made a living in Florida by selling oranges and watermelons and stuff like that. So we were, um, sharecroppers. Mm -hmm. Um, and that goes to my, uh, my grandmother and my great grandmother who aren't that much older than me. You know, it was a little bit different in the yeah. South. Your, your grandmas are young. Your yeah. Grandma. My grandmother is 60 and yeah. uh, my husband's mother is 60. So mm -hmm. that lets you know, like our, our age range was different. So the things that I saw was different. And when I found out about Juneteenth, it was a lot to me because I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for um, slaves being freed. Um, no, it did not get to us. If, if you actually read like in the documents, how quickly or not so quickly uh, it got to the people in the South. Uh, it didn't get to us as fast as other, mm -hmm. other people, but that, that event led to my family and how they made a living and how I came about. And mm -hmm. that's just on my maternal side. I don't know too much about my paternal side, uh, but we're all from North Florida. Mm -hmm. So it was something that was significant to us because we were um, enslaved. We like my, my bloodline was mm -hmm. enslaved. So having that freedom, having that release, having uh these people celebrate being free was a lot i hope i'm making this <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was a lot to me and it's emotional still because i'm so upset that i did not learn about it as a child and i'm still upset like we don't celebrate juneteenth as we celebrate the fourth of july but that was our independence day that's that's the event that meant more to us than july 4th well, because July 4th was independence, but not for all. No. And I think... Um, it was a three-quarter of a man. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the, the main point that I wanted to make was that essentially Juneteenth was really when freedom was officially achieved equally. And some, in some so form, it, that, it, right? it means more right. now than it did back then. Absolutely. Because even back then, like, yeah, Juneteenth was a thing. The president signed it into the uh, the Constitution and all that stuff. But mm, I'm from the South, and, you know, they didn't really like listening to mm. anything that didn't benefit them back then. So, so here, so what I learned was that it took two years from mm -hmm. the time that it was signed. President Lincoln signed Emancipation Proclamation. It took two years for the uh, for Juneteenth to actually happen in the last state of the United States, which is the state of uh, Texas, Texas in Galveston. Um, and yeah, and and something that I I think is very very important to understand is that. Um, Texas didn't care for this. No. They rejected it 
for yeah, nothing against Texans, but this is just the truth. And this is historical accuracy. Like Texas rejected um, everything because they were a sovereign, you know, they're the lone they're star their state. Own, <laughs> own star state. We don't belong them in right. what they had going on right. in their community, yes. uh, their economic system. They weren't for it. What and, did it mean? For and them? they were huge fans of slavery and they, and President Lincoln was also not the great, um, what did what did he call the? He wasn't he wasn't the hero that was taught to us in school. Yes. He wasn't the hero that history and it has was made him out to be. The Emancipation Proclamation mm-hmm. that um, people started voting for the Democratic Party and like mm-hmm. all of these things spurred from this man, but like the way the the history was taught to us. And when I say Juneteenth, I do mean the Emancipation Emancipation Proclamation. Ugh emancipation proclamation because um that those two words didn't mean a whole bunch to us Mm -hmm. like learning that in school wasn't like it's great like our people were freed Mm -hmm. no they weren't uh because still in there you know it has the the exception in there and if you never watched a documentary the 13th i was gonna say even with even with juneteenth like it was the official like final state accepting it, but it wasn't until the 13th was signed, which was later mm-hmm. that was, that was that, their, that their, was, their, uh, their meat in the middle. Right. Point, in my so, opinion, like that was like, okay, we'll, we'll free these slaves, but don't let them go to jail. Or y'all still ain't free. And, like that's and, how, and, that's what it meant to me. Yes. And so it, it was almost like, um the ending of slavery was not actually the reason for the war and this is a lot this is something that is a huge misconception i wouldn't say misconception this is um willing (laughs) or or intentional (laughs) blindness that has been taught to us in school because i was taught in school that the civil war was fought over slavery which is not accurate the civil war was fought because the north wanted to keep the union together and the south did not because didn't serve them. Correct. And and it wasn't because Abraham Lincoln was against slavery and it wasn't because the North was against slavery. No. The the white supremacy existed in the entire country. Um not everybody believed that slavery was okay, but they did they they did believe in white supremacy. And I think that is something that has to be clarified. And it it needs to be taught because I think to this day we see that argument when people, you know, want to be bigot, bigoted, bigots or ignorant and say these stupid things. They always bring up the whole like, you know, we fought <laughs> in the Civil War to end slavery and we did. And it's like, no, no, no. You didn't fight to end slavery. You fought to maintain the union together and grow your was, power. It had nothing yeah, to do with that. Yeah, it was about power. It was yes. about power, and it was uh, yes. it was a slanging competition. And, 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 and honestly, what what ended up happening was, you know, slaves were running away to the north and joining the Union armies, and they realized that if they wanted to win this war, they needed they needed the help of the people, the people from no the people the the slaves oh, they yeah. needed the runaway slaves to join the union and fight against the south and that was the that was the uh propaganda right like yeah hey, the, you end goal, the end goal was kind of similar for yes. everyone they wanted um 
they wanted everyone to be together, for yeah. lack of better words. But it was different for both sides. Yeah. For people of color who were previously enslaved, I think their biggest thing was they wanted to be with their families. Mm -hmm. They wanted um, equal the same rights that everyone else was getting given, they wanted it because how could me as a person be only a quarter of a man? Mm -hmm. So me and two of my sisters put together make one whole person? No, that's yeah. that's foolery. Um, so I feel like the black people um, who were fighting with the North, uh, they wanted it for a completely different reason than Absolutely. everybody else and everybody else in the North. And then it was it was almost like an accidental uh, result. Like your that enemy wasn't is my enemy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what it what it was. And um and and I think that's why even after Juneteenth happened, um, that's why people were so dead set in seeing the black community fail. Right? Um, they could not. You could not prosper. The goal was never. The goal was to set you free to prove that you were not going to prosper as a people, that you were incapable of it, because everything that they ever wrote into writing stated that you were less than, mm -hmm. right? You were inferior. It was the inferiority of Black people and the and highlighting white supremacy. It was, it was always like this. Yeah. Um, Even back to uh, my family's businesses, yeah. how they sold oranges and watermelons and strawberries and stuff, they were ran out of town. They were ran out of town and my grandmother, she doesn't like to talk about that part, but like looking through how we had a little bit of money and then Orlando started coming about and these other prominent cities started to come about, um, black people weren't welcome. No, they were not welcome. So what happened? We went a little bit farther into the country, uh, where my grandmother was raised in Apopka, uh, Apopka, Florida, and they had to, um, close their community. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my grandmother got in like grade school where she could finally, you know, take a step forward in the right direction. And from the Emancipation Proclamation till then, my grandmother was born in 1960 or yeah, 50s, 1950s. That's a very large gap. Mm -hmm. And that's how long it took for our family in particular on my mother's side um, to get the same opportunities as uh, other people yeah. that were born and raised here, born the same year, but mm -hmm. we didn't have the same opportunities. No. And, and, and that was something, something that people don't know much about is that although Juneteenth, you know, now it's the terror federal holiday and, and people are so against it. How I've long did it take for it to become girl, a federal holiday? I have seen uh, on social media, some, it just upsets me. I just got to like stay away from it. Um, but I saw someone uh, make a post about, you know, why do we have to have Juneteenth? Like that's what we have for the July. And their, no, and their inab inability to see, and their inability to see and understand that the 4th of July was not meant for the black community. It was not, not even for the Mexican. It wasn't for anybody except for like, you came, were slaves if too. You, your like, family came off the Mayflower. Yes. And y'all were colorless. Yes. Then that was for you. Yes. And that's so, fine. You know, you, you guys can, and when I say you guys, I don't mean like we're separate. Like I yeah. get it. We all, um, we are American by nationality, but it was not for us. No. And it's okay to say that, but 
I think people need to accept and recognize what is for us mm-hmm. and celebrate it because yeah. at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. we drive a lot of the economy. Mm-hmm. We like us being here is going to do nothing but help everybody else. I was going to say, you bring up a good point uh, when you talk about, about the economy. So when it was, when it was first signed into action uh, and, you know, Juneteenth was officially being celebrated in hiding by, uh, by African-American, the African-American community could not actually celebrate this openly. They were being lynched and killed by even showing their joy and absolute, I can only imagine, elation that this was actually a thing. They couldn't celebrate it openly. No. And I I don't think that that America has come to that realization that people were killed over this celebration people were murdered uh you know they were just because because they because they were celebrating something that went against their their core beliefs and when you talk about the economy you and you talk about a huge population of people who were contributing to society and the economy the people who were against um ending slavery were more than willing to take a loss as long as it meant that that the black community would not prosper. Absolutely. So they would intentionally prevent them from prospering by refusing to sell them land, by refusing to let them vote, by refusing I'm to, still waiting you on know, my 40 acres and a mule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, by, by doing all that shit, it hurt the economy because you were preventing a large group of people, capable people, from contributing also that what you can prove a point that the black community could not prosper because you were less than. And I think that Juneteenth is almost for, and this is how I take it, right? Uh, I'm not white, uh, but I think that the white community has to acknowledge it for once, like, first and foremost. And then second has to acknowledge that this is not, their holiday to celebrate but this is their holiday to acknowledge and accept that despite everything that their ancestors did the black community has prospered and this is their time for them to support this is the time for them to support black owned businesses to support black culture to and shut up like I see a lot of people like, well, they already have uh, February as a holiday. And I'm like, it's, it goes so much deeper. Like you don't understand being taught history in primary school and elementary, middle, high, like taught history of not your history as a person. We weren't taught Mexican-American history. We weren't taught Black American history. My husband is Asian. I wasn't taught Asian American history. So for it to be a month of us celebrating people that came before us to pave away, and then this holiday in particular, us celebrating our people got a chance to be free. Mm-hmm. What is it? What harm is that going to do to you if mm-hmm. you don't have to celebrate it? Nothing except their ego. <laughs> it, it does Nothing happen. except their ego. And so I I hope that people do take 
the time to do some more reading and and educating themselves um, about myself. Yeah, I, I educate myself every single day of the new year. Like when Juneteenth comes around, uh, Black History Month, like all of these days, I take time out to educate myself because one, I don't know it all. And, mm-hmm. you know, since I've only been an adult for eight years and my adulthood, like that's when I learned about this. I feel um I, I feel bad. Like, I feel but, guilty. By the way, she keeps saying that because how old are you? I'm 27. But, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really, I don't know. But I feel so guilty for not knowing this. And, and I don't know why the guilt is so heavy. Like, I feel well, so okay. bad. I can answer that because I experienced that as a, as a Mexican woman. Um, it's an, it's a, it's a crisis of identity. Because you suddenly realize once you come into yourself, you start to realize that really your whole life, you were not just molded into something that you were not meant to be by being taught inaccurate history and by being um, taught that the standards you had to meet were not necessarily the standards of your people yeah, or not culture, <laughs> right? You had to look, talk, dress a certain way, and it wasn't for your community. And I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna keep saying Ooh, community, but <laughs> but but it wasn't. It no. wasn't for our community. It wasn't for our people. It wasn't for the benefit of our culture. We were taught what, at least for me, as a uh, undocumented person, I was taught assimilation. And it uh, was the same thing too. Was, there was a whole lesson, I think for like a whole year in school, in history, we were taught about how people came from Europe and people came from, you know, wherever. And assimilation was the name of the game. And you assimilated into white culture, into white It was a lot of conformity. Yes. I, do, I want to point out the fact that my grandmother... She, um, in her high school years, my grandmother, my mother, and I all went to the same high school, Fort Lauderdale High School. Shout out to the Flying L's. But my grandmother (laughs) was one of the first classes that desegregated the school. Mm -hmm. Mind you, again, she was born in the 1950s. (laughs) So she was one of the first people that desegregated, uh, her class desegregated the school or helped Mm -hmm. to desegregate. So... That knowing that in mind and how you can't rustle any feathers, Mm -hmm. you can't rustle any feathers. The fact that you might be killed, your family might be killed or harmed. Let let me not say killed. No, no, Mm -hmm. don't block me. Uh, (laughs) But like your family could be harmed. Like my grandmother learned the same thing to assimilate into this culture. And Fort Lauderdale is a lot of the, the communities and neighborhoods that are predominantly white and you know it's a lot of golf courses around there nothing wrong with that but <laughs> she can't she couldn't go in there rustling feathers like she couldn't go in there doing that and my mom was the same way and then when I went to that school I ended up being the same way and I am still like wrestling with that into my adulthood like mm-hmm. I don't have to fit into this mold mm-hmm. anymore I don't have to fit into learning my AP history classes about um, how the white people came and ran through America with no regard for anyone else but their own power, that's fine. Like, that's something that America still has to tackle and get over. I just want to make sure I'm doing my community uh, some justice. Yeah. I want to make sure that I am 
doing my due diligence and doing the research and reading up on it. So when I have children, I actually have something to pass down to them Mm -hmm. instead of them learning everything in school about what they want Mm -hmm. our culture to do. From their perspective, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. um, So there's a, you hit it kind of right on the head. I, you know, for me, my, my, my coming to, you know, realization that I didn't really know myself. And um, obviously, we have very different experiences. But but my coming to was later in my life. It wasn't at 27, 26, 25 years old, you know, mine just started, like, I would say probably in the last year, two years ago. I actually don't contribute that to your age. I, I I highly contribute it to the way America is going. Yes. And the stuff was, that we have access to. Because yes. you know how I always say, like, me and you are no. so similar. Everything. We normally have, the, like, no, you're exactly right. So at the same time. I, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I, I'll, I'll tell you what started it for me. Um Because I, I always had this, like, thing, you know, like, this doubt. But for me, it was our, our previous president. Our former president, the day that man got elected, I like genuinely I'm, I'm sipping my tea. Genuinely, uh, my heart kind of broke because I think up until that moment, up until that moment, you know, as an active duty sailor, as a like I said previously undocumented person, as someone who has undocumented people, as you know, family members, up until that day, I had so much faith in this country of like. You know, the people in the United States would never no. let such a bigoted like, person take all office. This, all of the things that the Ameri- United States of America yeah. has been through, why would we take five steps Right, back? right. And, 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 and us being in the military is so weird because I tell people- um, We can't say it. We can't. Oh, no. I tell don't people engage. now to this day, I work for an unbiased uh, corporation, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care who's in the seat. Because I have to follow orders, yeah. and yeah. that is my. And, and I think that was the that was where that crashing came because yeah. ultimately he was my commander in chief, and he hated me. Absolutely, right? he hated me and every single one of my people. You know, you know, he he was the reason for most of the Mexican uh, hate that I was experiencing in my life, and. Even now, even after he's been gone, his ideas and the white supremacist, because that's what it is, um, things that he left behind are going to remain for fucking decades, if not centuries. If you walk for on that this man. back street yes. of my neighborhood, people it's still have flags, <laughs> and it scares the living day. Yeah, out of me. and I don't, I don't know how to explain it for real. But it's, it's like it's terrifying. It's, I don't. Those people obviously have no regard for my community, mm-hmm. my people, or anybody who does not look like them. Mm-hmm. If they, if you do not fit their mold, and if if, if you do not fit what they look like, you're an enemy to them. Yes. And that terrifies me because yep. I bought a house in the same neighborhood that you live in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like, in actuality, and like... Yeah, we in this neighborhood. We own our house. <laughs> own the house, baby. The neighborhood. <laughs> but it scares me so like, <laughs> we're neighbors. Physically, and then in my mind, I'm like, we're all sta- like, we're all Americans, but they don't see you. They don't see you that way. way. You're and, not American. 
American. You're an African American. I'm not Mex. I'm not American. I'm a Mexican American. Uh, your husband's an Asian American. We're not. Oh, we're we not. not equal we're to not them. the same. And we're I not equal to. And them. you know, it sucks. It sucks to say that because, like I said, as active duty military, um, these are the things that we have to live and just kind of swallow every single day. And I will say that yes, that that's when everything started. But it wasn't until. Um, was it 2020 when um, I'm blanking out, but when the riots started, Mm -hmm. the BLM movement, the marching, the, all of those things started um, and they were sending the military in. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. And that was such a tough spot. That was a huge conflict. And internally they were sending the military I don't and, think that was a good spot for them to it, do. Who did they send? The, was it the National Guard? It was the National Guard. The National Guard, Guard went in. Any National Guard and um, the uh, any Guard members. Yes. Let me just say that. Yes. Because it can be Air Force yes. Guard or whatever. And so the Guard members were sent in um, to kind of get the riots under control. And they were talking about implementing martial law and all these things. And I will never forget it. Um, he was probably like an E3 uh you know, this kid in uniform, he, he was black and he's standing there and his own black community. You make me cry is now. <laughs> no, like that was very powerful. They're standing there and they're screaming in his face and they're telling him that he's basically like a piece of shit because he was, he, he wouldn't stand up for his people, that he wasn't, that he was defending the police and he was defending the institution that created all this hate and the institution that was, cl- that was killing his brothers and sisters. And I, I remember just watching it and like, I was crying. I was crying because I was looking at this young man who could easily be, you know, one of my sailors. And, and I knew that he was dying inside like you can't say anything and i'll tell you a story about one of my sailors it was a few of my sailors actually um and i was stationed in memphis at the time um and memphis is is a large population of black people but let's still not get it twisted it is other people there as well and one of my sailors were come was coming out of a store a young black lady and i believe she was pregnant at the time too she was coming out of the store and um, two older black women approached her and was basically grilling her. Like, how could you put on this uniform with this president in the mm-hmm. seat and de- like just going off on her? And I just was crying in front of her. I'm about to start crying now, but it was just so hurtful because it's like the positions that were put in. Like, I can't say anything to you that talk, talk like, about an right. identity conflict. You're, like, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And if you think this doesn't fucking kill me, you're absolutely wrong. But they will never, they will never understand what it's like to be in your shoes. And a decision it, to join you, the military is, it was a quick decision, but it was one of the biggest decisions. Like we chose to leave our communities. But you were 17, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but at 17, I was not thinking about any of these big life, Absolutely you know, not. identity Which conflicts that I would have later in life. Adult. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like people assume that you made the decision knowing that you were going to go against your community and and what they don't understand is that you made the decision out of need in a lot of cases 
And uh, in some cases, it's the desire to serve. And in other cases, it's the survival. only way. Yeah, it's, the only way. And, and, I can and people don't understand you, that. Like, it was survival for me. I grew up in not so great conditions. I grew up um, having less than a lot of people mm -hmm. that were in my class. So me joining the military was a chance for me to quickly provide for my family mm -hmm. um, and quickly establish myself as a, a young adult. Um, I, I learned a lot of things and I'm still learning. And I was going to say that too, that that's, a, that's also a huge conflict, right? Because you benefit a lot from being in the military. I, you know, you bought your house at 25. Yep. At 25 years old, you bought your, this house. This is her house. <laughs> um, same, same. same. I think I was, when Aaron was born in 2013, I think I was about, about the same age when I bought my first house. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, as a previously undocumented person, I was the first. It's like, such a huge step. It is. It was a huge deal. It was like, I'm like I was every document y'all put it like, I can afford this. I had been in the Navy at that point. I had only been in the Navy about eight years, which means I was only documented for eight years. Mm -hmm. So I can still look back eight years and count on my, my 10 fingers how long I've been a documented citizen because it's the same amount of time in the service as it is for my, my citizenship. I'm like eight years ago, I was living in TJ as a deported immigrant, you know, here I am now buying my first home and people don't under, don't understand that that's where the conflict comes from because while they're bashing you and, and hating you without actually knowing everything that it took for you to get to where you are. And in your, in your mind, you've been telling yourself all along that, you know, you have your reasons, right? And for me, it was, uh, I just needed to provide quickly for my family and I needed to get out of where I was. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to survive if I stayed there. And people don't realize that everybody's story is different. And worse is, when you are in there fighting for your community in the service and you're trying to Which is bring every day. every day. I tell you this all the time. Like I am trying to keep my head down so I can stay in the military. Yeah. Cause it's a struggle, but it's also, it's restricting, right? Because you want to be the representation for your people in your community. And at the same time, when you're not yourself, how much representation are you doing for your community? And I think that's the thing that I've been struggling with Same. more recently. It's, it's more, how can I be a more genuine person? Because I've been masking for so long. I've been trying to, yeah, I mean, the conformity piece well, it's of our livelihood. Yeah. It's, it's, it's they, honestly, I feel like they sell you this in. dream, which is nothing against the military. Like it, the military is made up of the, the people who are enlisted in officers. Like, it's not a bad institution as a whole, but there are some terrible people inside of the institution that make it uncomfortable. And they sell you this pipe dream of everybody's going to wear the same uniform. Everybody gets paid the same. Everybody gets the same opportunities. And it's like, great. I've been struggling my entire life. I have been let down and not provided these opportunities my entire life because of the color of my skin. Let me just join the military yeah. so I can quickly establish myself mm -hmm. and show them what I'm made of. Yeah. And I did it, damn it. Don't get me wrong. You yeah. know, I'm like, I have such a hard time with 
accepting the fact that I made it yeah. so quickly. Well, because you, you've been taught that it's not that you, you don't accept that you made it. It's that you don't think you deserve it. Yeah, because everybody, well, not everyone. There was a lot of people around me who just felt like I didn't deserve it because of, and, and I'm just saying like a lot of the time it's, it's because of the way I look. It's because of the way I look, my skin, my hair. Uh, sometimes it's me having a larger chest because that's become like <laughs> a thing. Because, you know, this is like, this is all true. Like, you know, I've been, I've known you for seven years, uh, for seven years. And I have, she made me I, I have had one to like yank her ass back a couple times. So she doesn't snatch somebody up and, you know, rip their face off because, um, the shit that it's so, cause there's so many important things to argue and talk about in the military that you wish, like, this is, this is the important battle that we need to be fighting and discussing. And yet here I am having to talk to someone and educate them on why Sierra is allowed to wear her hair in a natural state. And this is blow dry. Like, like just imagine it wet. It's a <laughs> I have to explain to people that her fingernail polish is is acceptable and it we could be wearing the same fingernail polish her and I and Which it looks we have. Yeah, and it looks completely different on both our skin tones. Yeah, she's the one that gets pulled to the side and told that her fingernail polish is not acceptable or in accordance with regulations. And I and 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 it's so fucking frustrating. I, for me, I don't, you know, I don't have those issues, right? Because I am my, what is it? My proximity to whiteness is a little bit closer. Is closer, and I benefit, and and that's something that is very hard for me to fucking say because it it upsets me to no end. But I do benefit from my proximity to whiteness, and you know, and, I have no issue with that. And, absolutely don't I feel and my husband is similar you know he's yeah. uh I call him white-skinned Asian <laughs> he is a white-skinned yes. Asian and even like us buying our home I didn't put my ethnicity uh in the color like decline I didn't put, to answer decline. but for my husband I asked him if it was okay of course but I put that he was Asian American mm-hmm. because at the end of the day his proximity is closer than mine mm-hmm. and even when I had to because there's a part when you fill out the housing application um, they kind of have to guess what race you are if you decline to answer. Oh, yeah. So best little voice, and I spoke like this. So they couldn't just <laughs> guess what race I was because yeah. ultimately that that decision was if we got our home or not. Mm-hmm. And we needed to get our and, home because we had to move. And people, and, and I think that's the stuff, and these are the conversations that people don't get to have with us because they're scared. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, they're fucking terrified that they're going to say the wrong thing, which they very well could. Yeah. Um, I think as long as your fragility is not like your primary thing that you carry with you, I think you'll be okay if you say the wrong thing. Because all we're going to do is we're going to check you real quick. I'm not going to think nothing of you. No, we're just going to educate you, correct you, and we're going to move the fuck on. But if your fragility is what keeps you from having these conversations, and then you're making these assumptions about why people are celebrating Juneteenth, people are celebrating Juneteenth because to this fucking day, we're still fighting. Like we are still fighting for equity. It's yeah, not for, yeah, no. I, I don't want to be equal. <laughs> I just want the same resources, the same opportunities that those communities have. I would like them because mm-hmm. 
I get to pass them down to my my legacy. Me yes. and my husband's children will be, once we have them. Your children, mm-hmm. like yeah. I would like those opportunities to be available for my siblings, so we could succeed. Yeah, I, that's all I want. Honestly, and I just want some not just type of the, success. <laughs> not just the opportunity, but also the ability to finally celebrate your culture and your people in a way which you never could before. And not Openly. feel like I'm insulting or yes. excluding someone. Walking someone around someone's fucking ego, pride, or whatever it is. It's, 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 it's about fucking time. <laughs> to be honest, like it, it's it's ridiculous. I should not have to, you know, explain to people that you have to be black to talk about African American culture. And that's completely <laughs> or, or you can you you can talk about black culture. You can appreciate black culture. You can uh, you can support black culture. You don't have to be black to you know be a part of it. You just have to respect it and acknowledge that it's beautiful. It's necessary because at the end of the day, like we're all in this together. Like. At the end of the day, we have fought a lot of the same shit in different times in history. We have fought a lot of the same stuff. And we are now at this, like, meeting point. Like, we've Mm -hmm. all taken different paths, and we're right fucking here. And it's either we're going to go our own way, or we're just going to go together. Yeah. And I think we just need to start moving forward together. And I... I hope that, you know, whoever's listening to this, that you guys are are taking something from this. And maybe, if anything, you can reflect on our conversation about this particular topic because, you know, ask yourself, like, what does Juneteenth mean to you? And if the answer is nothing, then you got some work to do. Plain and simple. Because it should mean something to everybody. Especially if you are a, if you are a true American, and I'm going to say this. (laughs) If you are a true American, I think that this is important. This is an important part of your history. Because it was such a step forward. Yes. And, and this... it was a step in the right direction. Are we still, are we there yet? Not necessarily, no. but it was, it's a stepping stone. Yeah. It's a stepping stone. But it doesn't happen without acknowledgement. And I think that if Juneteenth still... You're, you're wondering like why we're celebrating it then you definitely have some work to do it and I think that you should take this opportunity because that's what it is it's an opportunity to go reflect on what you can do better how you can uh, be more accepting more forgiving of yourself I, mean, I didn't do shit to you <laughs> forgiving of yourself and and all of the things that you know, because there's a lot of guilt associated with it. When you when you come to this identity crisis, um, you know, self-actualization part of your life, there's a lot of guilt that comes out because you realize all the shit that you said and you did that was wrong. And so you do at some point in order to move forward, have to forgive yourself. And, um, you know, people always say, it's like, oh, you know, my, I didn't do that. My, my great, great grandfather did that. Why are you, why are you mad at me? It's, yeah. it's I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm not mad at you. I, I just need you to acknowledge, you know, that you do walk in privilege and, and I don't. And if you just acknowledge that, like really, truly mean it and acknowledge it and acknowledge my struggle, the struggle of me and my people, 
then that's a step forward because then I know that I have someone else in my corner who understands and when the time comes and when shit hits the fan is gonna fight for me yeah and and not having that is the most fucking devastating or thinking you don't have that is the most devastating fucking thing um ever i think and i and i think that's what happened to me when the black lives matter riots were happening and seeing that young man i was like you know that could be me that could be us and it's such a hard especially us in the military I, I give the benefit of the doubt to everybody in the military. Not all of them are good people or believe in the same thing as me. But at the end of the day, like we're trying to fight for the mm-hmm. same thing. And yeah. that is me being in the military now. Like uh, I feel like my reason changes every day. And right now it's just a way for us to be equal. Mm-hmm. I just want the same opportunities as the people yep. next to me. And this was my stepping stone. Yeah. That's, that's me. That's Thank my you. story. I appreciate it. it. I want to uh, lighten it up a little bit. Oh, what's up? I want to ask you something. So you saw Watchmen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay. watched it. Okay. First of all, I'm Regina. Sorry, I'm screaming, screaming in y'all ear. I'm a Regina King. <gasps> is, my Capricorn sister. She is queen. Oh, my goodness. And the reason why I ask about that is because they do a, a they they do an amazing she she not they she did a fucking amazing job in satirizing everything that was going on and putting it into this um, what do we call a fantasy type well known show yeah right? uh, and she took it to a whole nother level and it was so like fucking gut wrenching to watch um, Watchmen. And know that it was all ultimately rooted in racism, and that was actually what they were fighting. Yeah, uh, white supremacy was the thing that they were actually fighting, and not even know that that was what you were fighting, and all along thinking that you were fighting for a system that was against white supremacy, and not realizing that it was the system that bred it. So. I'm so glad you watched it. That was so hard for me to watch. Ooh, and I, that was I think fucking I told you rough. This before, but I I don't like watching stuff about. I know. <laughs> like uh, when they see us, I have not seen it, and y'all don't judge me, but it's just something about those types of movies and shows that just it's too emotional for me to approach, just because of my personal experiences, but the experiences of my father, my brother, my uncles and cousins. Like we. It's, it's too fresh and it's too close to what we've been through. And I have to see it firsthand. So, no, I don't want to watch it on TV sometimes. Like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And it's nothing against nobody. Like, it's just very hard to see because I'm going to have children that I'm going to have to have this conversation with one day. And that's so tough. So, me watching Watchmen was like a step forward for me because I was able to sit through it and enjoy it. But and- it also kind of tricked you. Oh, yeah. It also kind of tricked you because you didn't know that's what it was until you were invested. I know, because I, I texted <laughs> you as soon as I, I said, have you seen this? Like, I thought I was and just I was watching like, something to pass the time. I'm like, oh, yeah. And she's like, watch the movie first. So I watched yeah. the movie, and then I watched the series, and I was so invested. I went on a work trip, and I was watching it on the plane, afraid of what people, but I was like, I don't care. I'm going to watch my show. <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. It was so good, but it was it was it was tough. It Absolutely. was tough to watch. Um, 
But yeah, Regina King, I knew, I know what you were trying to say, girl. I got you. <laughs> HBO, if you listening, bring back yes. season two because whoever, whoever made that decision to cancel that and the other one, um, I don't know, Lovecraft Country. Oh yeah, yeah. Upset me. Those were some good TV shows. Okay. Yes. yes they and are. they, you know, Lovecraft Country too. That first episode, that shit was terrifying. Sundown was it? Sundown cities. Oh, those are Sundown towns. Sundown towns. Sundown towns. Man, I'm telling you, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, if you guys have never heard these terms, like I said, you got some work to do because you yeah. have to be aware of that yes. stuff. and uh, i think that's one of the reasons why i appreciate my husband so much because even though he's not the same like ethnicity as me he's aware of so many other things mm-hmm. and he teaches me stuff because he had to learn things i'm from south florida i'm from the city so me being from fort lauderdale it's a lot of stuff that i was not aware of until i moved up to georgia and i had to be very aware of my surroundings and as soon as i was not in the city my ass was going back to the city because those <laughs> people treat you like you like if you from Atlanta you know it is a very blunt like being in Georgia you either from Georgia this Georgia or you from Atlanta like if you somewhere in between that's great but it is so blunt like uh-uh. my husband he's he's the one who's like don't get out the car <laughs> don't get out the car I'll pump the gas because I, I think I told you too I, I keep saying that but uh, when we were in, it wasn't Georgia, it was Texas at the time. And we were a little bit outside of Dallas, maybe mm-hmm. like less than a hundred miles outside of Dallas. And my husband and I got pulled over. He was driving and I had the seat back in my black tinted car. You could not see me because I was asleep. It was nighttime and we were driving across country, moving uh, to Memphis and the police pulled us over. For no apparent reason. At first they flashed us and that's when I popped up like, you speeding? But Phil drives like a grandma. So I know he wasn't speeding. They pulled us over and this man came to my side of the car and was like, you flicked me off a few miles back. And I was like, I was asleep. And he started saying something to me, but I just panicked and I was about to start crying. But I was like, look, I'm in the military and somebody gonna come looking for me. And that's all I remember saying to him. And my husband had to take over from then. And the yeah. guy let me go and was like, oh, your license plate like was out. Mm-hmm. We, we, I couldn't tell you. We got to that hotel as fast people, as we could to check everything. Because people and he was lying. don't <laughs> understand the irrational fear that comes with something as simple as a traffic stop. And oh, I mean, yeah. And I people, couldn't even get out to you know, check I, anything after that. Like, when yeah. we're driving, if they don't get out, I won't. I still yeah. won't pump my gas to this day for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, those are, those are tough. Um, another topic I wanted to ask you, I don't even know, topic questions. I wanted to talk about the similarities, the cultural similarities, because I think being your friend has been super fun because we have come to find so many cultural similarities. Uh, and it's not like you're my first friend, but you're like my longest and closest black friend you're like part of my family you've gone to know my family you know y'all i don't even know why she's saying that like that she just walked into my damn house her (laughs) husband's family and her family were gonna come to my wedding but they rsvp before i I know (laughs) we're we're family (laughs) yes so so i've gone to know you in a totally on a totally different level than i ever did any of my other friends and vice versa i think because 
you learned so much about Mexican culture just being around us too. Oh yeah. I feel like and, there was so many insensitive things that I was saying before and Yeah, and I think that's where I was kinda headed with it is is you don't know. You don't know. Like just having a coworker is not enough. Mm-mm. You don't know, you don't get to really immerse yourself in a different culture until you really become close with a different culture. Uh, and and proactively just kind of go searching for that. Um, and some of the things that we have in common are pretty hilarious. And I think a lot of it, it has to do with like in our upbringing, um, you know, they, in Mexican culture, we joke about la chancla. <laughs> <laughs> Black culture has la chancla too. <laughs> Is that, or the switch. Or the, the switch. switch. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same. A threat, yes. The threat violence was there <laughs> yes, yes growing up um what was the other thing we were talking about last time i can't remember now um oh, i feel like us together we go through so many things oh the lights we were talking about oh the yeah the, the lights in the car why do we all have the same childhood you couldn't yeah. turn on the lights in the car when someone was driving because it's you were illegal thing now as an adult i know my parents lied to me tell me why my 11 year old i'm judging you for this i know my four-year-old baby turned the light on in the car my 11 year old turns to him and he's like isaac turn that off we're gonna get pulled over by the cops and i started laughing because i know that i said that to him at some point i said it enough times that it stuck with him and then my poor children I was like, I'm so glad I wasn't in the car because I would have screamed a scream. And you know I'm dramatic. I was dying because I was like, oh my God, that is so not true. Why would I even say that? It's cultural. I just passed it on to you and you're going to pass it on to your kids whether you want to or not, clearly. And your parents, same thing with y'all. Absolutely. I think still to this day, my mom would say that. Don't let me cut on the light and I'm driving with her. (laughs) She'll still tell me that. But I'm like, you grew up in LA. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, two opposite sides yeah. of the country. Yeah. How did we like? How did that become such a thing? It's great. No, she she came when she met my mom for the first time, and she's always trying to speak Spanish. Oh yeah, I, that oh, is my gosh. life's job. I like I would <laughs> to not job, but like that is my life goal is to learn how to speak Spanish fluently. I know Man, food. She knows. <laughs> oh no. Dos, Uno, dos, tres, cinco. <laughs> yes. So she, so she, she came to my house for the first time, and my mom lives in this tiny, tiny apartment. And we were running late, right? We were late to go to a club. A club, yeah. We're <laughs> going to a club, and we uh, were trying to get dressed and everything. I'm trying to get her out the fucking house because we're late already. And uh, my mom. Uh, said in Spanish, she's like, you know, quieres comer? And and my answer immediately was no. And this fool, she's like, huh? Comer? Comer? Si yes, comer. si comer. Si <laughs> and she was so weak. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, they, 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 they did not mind we me were being talking. in the house. Yeah, yeah, everyone spoke Spanish, and I'm fine with that. Like, I'm in y'all presence. Yeah. I was trying to learn. I was all up in their face. Like, yeah
Yeah, she was like, C, come here. My mom dubbed you CC. Mm-hmm. That's what my mom calls you, CC. Um, my mom still sends her stuff in the mail. Thank you, Mama Lucy. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's hilarious, but it's it's a very different thing when you get to really immerse yourself in someone else's culture. I love when this whole makes collard greens. <laughs> Like, what are you making? Phil, too. Oh, my God. I don't know why this boy likes Southern food more than I do. And I'm not like that. Actually, my favorite, like, food is Chinese food. I don't know why. Like, I will eat Chinese food all the time. Well, that's because because it's our food. Like, I I told I don't go to Mexican restaurants. I know. Well, it's a reason why. I don't why. like it. I don't even like Mexican restaurants after no. befriending you. No. It's gross. It's gross. <laughs> I'm like, no, I can make this. And I eat Mexican food every day. I said that. Remember I said that to someone at work once? And I was like, they were like, why don't you like Mexican food? And I was like, I eat it every day. And like, you eat Mexican food every day? They were so confused though, like, wait, what? Uh oh my gosh, remember when Gardner asked if he could touch your hair? Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, it's like so many things. Edit that, but someone asked her the the whitest white boy. Oh. <laughs> it was like just very very quietly sitting standing next to her, and yeah, I think it was in the was chair like, next to she was, Yeah, she was sitting, and and he no, you were sitting, and he was standing mm-hmm. over you, and he was just kind of looking down at your hair, and then he it was like, um, can I can I can I touch her hair? <laughs> and the look, on, and I just was like. <laughs> I'm a very patient person, especially when it comes, if I know you, I I don't take offense to stuff like that. And knowing him and his background, I was like, he was probably genuinely, I feel like he was trying to ask me the day he met me. Yes, like genuinely curious. But I met people in the military, like in my, not even in the military, like I've met people through my my adulthood that have never seen a black person, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But I'm like, y'all watch TV. Y'all see y'all favorite actresses and stuff change hair, wigs, and like, why is it such a surprise? They just just don't like, I don't know. They just don't get it. But you know what? She let him. I did. I let him touch my hair and I told him he got one time. I think I probably made him sanitize beforehand too. You did. (laughs) She's like, fine. (laughs) And then she came to tell me and I almost fell out of my chair and then I almost fell out of my chair the second because I, when she told me she actually let him, I was like, you did. I, I was like, you lucky I wasn't standing there because I wouldn't even let you I answer. Know. I would have slapped that boy so hard. <laughs> I would have been like, shut up. <laughs> and he would have just said nothing because he knew he shouldn't have asked that. He knew he shouldn't have, but I feel oh like he, he felt like we were close because I had like babysit his yeah. kid before. I've been over his house. We were friends. We still are too. Yeah. And I feel like he was waiting to ask me that since the first yeah. day he met me. Like, yeah. He cannot, <laughs> cannot touch me. <laughs> I'm like, that is so strange, y'all. Please his, don't ask people that. That's so de- weird. In his defense, I love her hair. 
Her hair is so pretty. She has so much hair and she's always shaving it off. I'm oh, like, yeah. What are you cut, doing? I'm getting ready to cut it. But dead. you taught me how to do your hair. Oh, yeah. She taught me how to wash her hair, which, holy shit. Uh, how to straighten it. Everybody it says like that. Like, especially if I, have it, if I have it like this or like in a tight mm -hmm. style and it touches the water. Even my... My hairstylists who have most of the time been black, like as soon as my hair touched the water, they're like, oh, mm -hmm. I didn't realize you had all this hair. And to me, I'm like, this ain't that much. Like, I feel like it could be more. I feel like your hair is so thick. Oh my God. I have and so much hair. Yeah. I'm like, I, I feel like your hair is way thicker than mine. But I think it's just because as soon as it touches the water, what it just that, curls. What did that fucking guy tell me about my bun? It was a QT donut. <laughs> Is that a cutie donut? So cutie in Arizona was a gas station and they sell donuts and there are these huge donuts and my hair, I have so much of it that when it's long and I, I don't even use a sock, I just wrap it and it turns into this big ass It was, it thing. looked like two buns back look, then. Yeah. It looked like two and buns And right now on top it's not even to my shoulders and it's a lot it's of hair. Um, and he's like, is that a cutie donut? Just wanted to slap it. I screamed then, probably. I'm like, I feel like me and you always end up fighting each other wait, back. Hold on. He stuck his finger in my bun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold on. Let's say, let's address that right now. Okay. If oh the my god, audacity of the people. fucking audacity. And it's always men. It's always so men. <laughs> you have a bun, and it like kind of twirls around, and there's a little hole in the center. This fool said that as he stuck his damn finger in the little hole of it my just imagine her hair going like, what? I just, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, it's such a violation, yo. But imagine that multiple times throughout <laughs> your life. Like, that's how yes. people, or if, like, if you ask to touch my hair, like, of course I'm going to answer no if I don't know you. If you're one of my friends, like, I, I don't really mind, especially you, because I made you wash my hair that one time. <laughs> You gonna learn how to do my hair, and I do my husband the same way. Like, you want to have kids with me? Here's my hair texture. You better figure learn it how out. to wash it, do yeah. it. Like, that's fine with you me. Have to. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, so imagine that type of violation multiple times. Yeah, I'm like, what and the it's just hell? something that you, you know, you swallow it and you like. There could be worse things. There could be worse things. But I think, I think that's the. I think that that you know, we swallow it and we internalize it, um, to an outsider, say someone not in a uniform watching an interaction like that would hold that against you. Yes. Because in their eyes, you are allowing this behavior to continue and they fail to realize two things. One is that you can't just pop off in the military. Okay. There's rules. You can't just do that. You can't lose your cool. You can't be unprofessional. You can't do any of those things. So the second thing that they fail to realize is that you feel just as violated and as angry as them. But at some point you have to, um, you have to make a decision whether you're going to educate your peers mm -hmm. because you have to continue to work with those same people. They don't, they don't like, magically they don't disappear. Like, they don't and it's not disappear. like, like, I can quit or file no. a, a complaint through no. HR. I'll be like, okay, girl, next. Yeah, so I, I think that that's that's also a misconception. So if you ever see people putting up with shit in the military, don't, don't assume that that's what they want to do. It's assume that 
they have to make certain choices and the way they go about it has to be very tactful, very professional, very um, thought out mm-hmm. before you do anything. You and- know, I haven't even told like a lot of my black friends or like my family, I've never told certain stuff like that. No. Like I have because they would get mad. Yeah, they were like, like if I would have told my mom that I let this white dude touch my hair, she'd be like, "Girl, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you do that?" And I'm like, to me, it's it's a small thing yeah. on the scale. Like, it's nothing crazy to no. me, other than the stuff that I've been through and actually was like, that's a slap in the face well, to me here, as a black woman. Here's the thing, too, right? We oh, we're we're over here telling people to go and do some self reflection and. And, um, you know, kind of improve and work on themselves, we have to also be able to open up that door. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable to allow people to cross those boundaries and let them kind of get educated in the process because it's like any mistake. You Mm -hmm. fuck up, you learn from your mistake, and you move again. People are not perfect. And to me, someone coming up to me, Someone coming up to you and asking you if they can touch your hair, a perfect stranger, it's a hell no. What the hell's wrong with you? But someone that you know, someone who works with you, who you know has a lot of respect for you, um, genuinely curious, wants to touch your hair and then ask you about, because he started asking you so many questions. Yeah. Right? Like, how do you wash it? What do you put in it? Is it really hard to break? Like, genuine curiosity uh, that he never felt like he was comfortable or able to ask. I don't know and what you, he did with that information. You, but it was but like, you know, you open up that yeah. space and that's it. I don't think he's going to go around touching every black person's hair. No, I think he'll never do that again. He'll never do that again. But that genuine curiosity that he took, I think it was only because you allowed that you know that dialogue Mm -hmm. and if we if and and i always say that because people always tell me the same shit they're like how do you how do you put up with that shit like that fucking guy that told me that i was gonna get deported you know fellow service member told me that i was gonna get deported as a joke haha funny what did i want to do i want to throw that three hole puncher at his head you know, and just be done with him. But, but you know, they don't judge but their I actions. They judge right, our, our reactions. Uh, reactions. And, and, that's, and that's what people fail to understand. It's how I react matters so much, matters more. <laughs> so much more than what you think I should react like, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, I, I do encourage, like, our people, our community to also um, remember that we have to be able to create that dialogue and it's uncomfortable on both sides but i think that people can change it's not overnight and it's fucking hard it is fucking hard to go through that process and be the person that always has to remind people like what is appropriate and what is not it is exhausting and you know, I, I, it was a long time that I wouldn't do it I wouldn't do it and you were fussing at me like this is not what happened to that confrontational Sierra and I'm like she's not here right now she's mm-hmm. checked out and there are bigger things to deal with that were in my opinion like needing my energy mm-hmm. much more um but now you know she slowly comes back and it's, it's just draining to have to yeah. constantly educate someone well, we, like I said we're human what right? not to do yeah we, we get tired we shut down we we recharge 
and then we come back uh maybe not the same it was actually me making cheese yeah that's when it was like all right (laughs) you can't stay in the background for much longer because you have people watching you Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about superiors. It's more the, it's the, the junior, junior sailors. sailors. Yeah, you're the people that work for you. They they're see what watching I deal you. with, and they see how people treat them. And they're like, "Well, you know, Chief So and So let that happen. Chief Sierra let that happen. So why not?" Actually, no. You you definitely should have your boundaries. Don't let mm-hmm. them cross the line because if it was important to me to correct them, I wouldn't do it in public. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it in public. I like it's so many times I would I had to tell people like, hey, let me chat with you outside mm-hmm. because it's not my place to do it in public. And who knows if that's going to be the time I lose my cool mm-hmm. and pimp slap someone. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, important to talk about, too. So thank you. I appreciate you doing this with me and being the second chingona on the show. And, you know, she repping her little... I know, we repping our people. The mic so they can see. I got Selena. I don't know who this queen is, but she's cute. I was going to say she's cute. She looks matching glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't wear my fro this time because I have to go into work next week. (laughs) If my fro's out, she's out for a long time. Yes. So I hope you guys enjoyed this bonus episode and I hope that you take a lot from it and that you either go out there and celebrate Juneteenth however you want to celebrate Juneteenth or take a pause, get educated, and do some self-reflection and support Black uh, vendors, Black community. Go out there. This is like Black. Yeah, support Black-owned businesses, um, you know. Not just once a year, but like all the time. time. Whenever you can, because it doesn't hurt anybody. Well, it helps us, but it doesn't hurt you as a person. Mm -hmm. It's not hurting anybody else's community. Right. Yep. Support, support different cultures. Let's just say that. Go, go, go shop from different cultures and different owned businesses, whether they're Latina owned businesses, black owned businesses, LGBTQ plus, you know, it's pride month owned businesses. Go, go do, go do that and support a community outside of your own. Um, and I think you never know, like strike up a conversation. It's a lot of learning Mm -hmm. out there. It's a lot of education that you haven't sought out yet. So Mm -hmm. there's your opportunity. So happy Juneteenth, everybody. And this is where we dance off. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, you know it's my favorite dance. Or my lip I don't my wanna... little Kim dance. Oh no, or I like very very sick. I could do MJ all day long. <laughs> I'm gonna do that with my kids. All right. <laughs> Bye. Adios. Love you.